You're listening to the Preppy Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia May Marish, and I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Today, I'm kicking off my Home for the Holidays series, focusing on entertaining, cooking, and decorating. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Holly Holden, a woman of style. She's an interior designer, author, TV show host, and expert on entertaining. We're discussing where she gets her amazing sense of style, how she got into her interior design business, her beautiful home known as Fox Hall, and the many projects she's worked on throughout the years. And since this is part of my Home for the Holiday series, Holly will of course be sharing some of her tips and tricks with all of us. But before I get started, I want to talk to you about my friends at Site Culture. Owning a small business is hard work. Building your website presence shouldn't have to be. Site Culture is here to make things simple with plug-and-play, customizable website templates. No coding or tech skills required. Site Culture makes having a beautiful, intentionally crafted website attainable and affordable. Their templates are completely customizable and loaded with premium features like elegant, intuitive design, and strategic messaging guidance. You'll receive all of this at about a tenth of the cost of other custom website options. I work with many small businesses and influencers alike, and something everyone needs is an attractive, easy-to-use-and-navigate website, which is why I'm constantly sending businesses to Elizabeth, Rebecca, and her team at SiteCulture. I've worked with them for the past three years on my sites, The Preppy Podcast, Peaked PR, and my blog. Each time, they've made my visions come true and offer their expertise and advice along the way. I'm constantly complimented on my websites as their team at Site Culture makes beautiful, colorful, happy, light, and preppy website designs. It's perfect for any preppy business. For a limited time, you can get your dream website for just $29 a month. That's crazy, $29 a month. Simply visit siteculture.co, that's siteculture.co, to pick up your ideal website template and use the discount code FIRST10 at checkout. So that's siteculture.co and use the code FIRST10 at checkout. You definitely will be happy you did. So let everyone know who you are, where you live, and what you do. Well, first of all, I just want to say how clever you are. Miss Patricia, to host a program featuring, you know, entrepreneurial women, and we all share the same kind of design aesthetic for classic design. So thank you for putting that together. And I had the privilege of listening to even more of your podcast yesterday on my flight back from Park City to Utah, uh, Park City, Utah, here to Farmington, Connecticut yesterday. And I, I just was so inspired by the women you have. I'm Holly Holden. I'm an interior designer. I've had my own business uh, here in Farmington, Connecticut for over 25 years. Um, an ASID member, allied member. That, that's the Association of American Society of Interior Designers. Okay. And I'm also an executive producer and the host of a PBS public television series. And the name of that is You Are Cordially Invited, which I think we'll have fun talking about later on. Definitely. Um, So, an author of two books, and I write a weekly newsletter, which I'm very invested in right now, called Mummy's Monday Manners and Lessons for Lovely Living. 
So that's that's Holly Holden. (laughs) That's a lot. That's a lot of accomplishments. That's great. (laughs) Having a a, a rich, full life, let's say, with very little sleep, but (laughs) loving every second. (laughs) I love that. So you've accomplished so much, but let's, you know, go back a little bit. So what did you study and where? Are you formally, I guess, trained in interior design or let's talk a little bit about that? Oh, that's a lovely question because... I would have to say my interior design uh, talent is probably by osmosis through my parents. We traveled all over the world as a child, and my father was British and had a a lovely sense of classic style, which I I think I inherited. Mm -hmm. And my mother was a consummate hostess. I mean, they would move every two years. She prided herself in hosting a dinner party within two weeks of moving. So uh, she she was quite something. And I think I, I picked up on her entertaining skills and have enjoyed entertaining. And that's that's an aspect that I write about in my my weekly newsletter. So mm-hmm. as far as where did I study? Um, I studied the world through my parents' eyes, visiting historic houses. <laughs> I did not study formally interior design. I went to a, a girls uh, prep school. Uh, St. Catharines, it's Episcopal Girls School in Richmond, Virginia, mm-hmm. for my formative years. And I think that Southern influence had a big um, impact on my design aesthetic. And then I went out to Mount Vernon College in Washington. And I always envisioned myself <clears throat> um, marrying a senator living on the Hill. But fortunately, my roommate insisted that I meet her brother, and we fell madly <laughs> in love on <laughs> first sight. And um, came up to Connecticut, where I've been living the rest of my life uh, with him for 45 years. We just celebrated last um, last month. It was so much fun. But oh um, from Mount Vernon College, that was a school that actually excelled at interior design. And my classmates would, I was studying political science, and my classmates would show me what they were, they were studying. And I thought to myself, that's just so easy. Why would anyone study that? Not even thinking to myself that that's something I wanted to do. Yeah. So my mother, because my father died when I was very young at 16, she had heard that the University of Richmond, the the Robbins School of Business, was allowing women in for the very first time. Now, this is really dating me. (laughs) So um, I went to the business school and then uh, married Stewart. And uh, we started renovating historic houses here in in, um, Connecticut. Oh. near Hartford. And friends just kept asking me how and who my sources were, how I was doing things. From there, I was invited to participate in a show house and the press picked up on my room and the rest is history. That's when I started my business. So <clears throat> I never that. I never studied it, but I, I just adore. You have a knack for it. I'm very... Very grateful for, I think, the the foundation that my parents um, set for me. So that's that's my background. So how did you guys get into then remodeling these historic houses? Was it just something that you talked about one night over dinner and then set out to do? Or, I mean, even that is just in itself, you know, a feat, a lot of work. <laughs> that's, that's, tr- that's very true. <laughs> very, very true. In fact, this is our fourth historic house. And we think oh, wow. uh, it was built in 1803 and... Are we crazy? We're doing it again. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, we are. But uh, I, 
I remember flying up from Richmond to look at houses and we went from neighborhood to neighborhood and then none of the houses were speaking to me mm-hmm. until the very last day, five days, of not seeing anything that interested me. And there was this quirky little house down near the Wethersfield Cove. And I looked at it, I said, that's it. That has personality, that has something I can work with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what attracts me to historic homes. They're, they, they do have their own um, aesthetic to them that, that just appeals to me. Um, yep. so, and, and as far as why did we do it? Probably because that was the house we could afford. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I knew that I could contribute to the family by, by working on it while my husband was working on his, his position. It was a third generation family owned, um, company. So that's what I did. And we, we sold the house for about triple the amount that we paid for it. And that was the beginning. So that's, that's where I realized that I could turn a house around and I'd love to find a house that other people walk in and think, Hmm, no, but if it has good bones uh-huh. um, and, and uh, I, that, that's, that speaks to me. And that's what happened with Fox Hall. We, my daughter was going, my first daughter graduated from Miss Porter's school, which is a girl's school up the street. Yep. And my youngest daughter <clears throat> was on her way to um, her interview. We were a little early. So we took a drive around down Main Street and we passed our house, Foxhall, and I saw the for sale sign. And I went down to the payphone. That was 20 years ago. <laughs> and <laughs> called my husband and I said, your favorite house is on the market. And he said, well, let's get in to see it. So we we did get in, but the agent was just um, obsessed with the fact that we had to be there five o'clock before the sun went down. And I said, my husband's in a board meeting. I don't know if we can make it or not, but we did. So we walked in and I realized why it had been um, bequeathed to the Antiquarian and Land Trust Society, but the neighbors rallied around and decided that they wanted to make it a a home versus another museum on Main Street in Farmington. So the reason she wanted us early is because it was completely candlelit. There were over 121 candles that had to be lit in order oh to see God. the house. <laughs> so, and it had been empty. The gentleman had passed away. So it had been empty and it was dark when we toured the house, literally dark. So we made an offer that night. <laughs> Without <laughs> seeing it fully, right? <laughs> I told you I'm crazy about historic houses, but I think it just spoke to us. It just spoke to us instantly when we walked in. We've never regretted it. We just adore this house. So that uh, that is a long story. Sorry, but no, I love that. And that I believe the same thing. A lot of my friends right now are buying their first homes and things like that. And um, I actually had bought my first home about five years ago, so a little bit before everyone else. And mm-hmm. I keep telling everyone, you know, look at the bones instead. Like you can fix up a house and make it what you want it to be and beautiful. And it's just really the foundation and the bones that are important. And my house was a bit of a fixer upper as well. So I totally understand that. Like when you know, you know. <laughs> you know, you know. Someone said to me, you don't pick your house, your house picks you. And it that. was literally after we made the we made the offer that evening, um, 60 other people wanted to see it the following week. So I, I feel as if this this house did speak to us and you're such you're giving such grand advice to your friends in yep. re- reference to that because this house, everything in it was painted brown or black. Mm-hmm. The caretaker uh, had black and white photographs. So the entire upstairs was painted black ceilings, black walls, and it was an ominous look. <laughs> so yep. it, just, it just took a little time to, to change it around. 
a little TLC and you can put your yes. own spin on it, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> I say a lot of TLC, but <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of that, how would you describe your style to someone? I would say for the most part, my style is timeless, tailored. Um, I just read a book about Palm Beach and I think that kind of sums it up. I am attracted to houses or interiors that are quietly understated, yet they're authentic in their design. In other words, there's a personality that shows through uh, when you enter a house. I think instantly you know if a house is inviting um, or if it is a velvet rope, don't touch anything kind of house. So I, I love to create a house that is conducive to entertaining and it looks as if it's evolved. Um, I think that's, that's the part of classic design that I enjoy so much um, doing. I think one of the nicest compliments in a, in a bizarre kind of way is we were giving a dinner party once and um, the, actually the, one of the guests had never been in the house and the gentleman turned to me, it was late at night, we were drinking for it. And he said, so did you buy this house completely furnished with all the artwork? <laughs> that that's a compliment, I guess. I guess I'll turn that around. <laughs> that it looks as if it's always been here, so that's good. But exactly, that, that is. I would say I like formal, but I also like inviting a place okay. where no one wants to leave, and that seems to be the calling card for the parties that we give here. Um, we have a revolving door of entertaining until COVID hit, but yeah. Um, no, late night parties because people just, I think, feel comfortable um, in our house. And that makes me feel as if I've accomplished what I set out to do to make an inviting atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I think that's perfect. I mean, who doesn't want to have a home <laughs> where people can't get enough of and never want to leave? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Oh. So, you started renovating your own house and then it sort of grew. People liked your style and were asking you where you were getting your, your pieces from and all of that. So how, or I guess at what point then did you think to yourself, you know what, I can make a business out of this. I can do this. And then what were some of the first steps to kind of launching that business? Well, uh, I would say we had renovated this, um, 18, uh, 1760 house in, in Glastonbury and, uh, someone approached me about starting an interior design business. And so that's, that's, that was the beginning of my business. Okay. But um, tell me again, the question, how did I start it or? Yeah. So, okay. So someone came to you then and said that you should start an interior design business. So then what was the moment where you thought, you know what, I should, like you, you clearly had a knack for this and an interest in this, but then what was the turning point to decide okay, let's actually make this a business. I would say, and I wrote about this actually in my first book, The Pretty Improper Living Room, and the fact that my husband had become very ill and I had three small children and I thought to myself, how am I going to support them? Mm-hmm. And that's when the bells and whistles just went off. Um, people keep asking me for advice. They ask for my sources. They ask how I do things and would I help them design so I, my first step was to start at a show house, and I started just with a dressing room closet. Oh. But it was, I think it was a really pretty little closet when it finished, and I guess that picked up on, um, the press picked up on it, it was covered in a couple of magazines, and that's when I knew 
uh, my business had started. And so we sent, um, I, had, I asked a partner to come in with me and okay. we, we worked together. She had actually gone to Pratt. Um, so she was an artist on her and she taught me all about floor plans and things like that. So I learned a lot from her. And then I ended up buying the business back when um, she moved on in her life. And because she had a little boy that demanded a lot on the hockey field. <laughs> so, um, uh, that's, that's when I, when it took off, but um, I have never turned back and I, and I adore it. I think it was when my daughter was, I know it was when my daughter Alexandra, my eldest daughter, mm-hmm. when she was getting married, she turned to me. She was married uh, to a German in Berlin, um, Germany. Wow. And she said, I'm going to have my first big girl house. Could you please take uh, give me some advice on how I furnish it while I'm in Germany? So I started taking pictures and writing things down. And next thing I know, I was going through legal pad after legal pad. And then I decided I needed to hire an editor. And a thousand pictures later and 500 pages later, I was able to present the book to my daughter, Alexandra, which gave me great pleasure. And my other daughter, Caroline, she she worked, has worked with me in the business for a long time. Oh. She also worked for Brian McCarthy in Manhattan for seven years. So she has a beautiful design aesthetic um, and tends to be a little bit more modern with okay. um, a touch of French. And I tend to be more English with a very traditional, you know, needlepoints, hairbands, horses, yeah. and patina. That's kind of sounds <laughs> up my style. <laughs> and I love that. That's, yeah, that, once I looked at your book, I'm like, oh, I love her style. <laughs> Thank you, Patricia. <laughs> so speaking of your book, I mean, how did the first one come about? And then let's talk about the new one. But how did the first one come about, really? The first one really did come up about by my daughter's uh, question. How do I furnish a house like I grew up in? Okay. And it's very bright. And we were, she was studying in, uh, at Oxford. She knows exactly what she wants, but she just wanted someone to help her put it all together. Mm-hmm. And so that's why she wanted visuals. And that's what the was the inspiration to creating uh, the living room book, the Pretty and Proper Living Room book, because I feel as if if you start with a living room, uh, start with one piece. For instance, we started with a with a rug that Stuart and I bought in New York. We we collect together, and he said to me at that time, he said, "Well, you can have the rug and no furniture, or you can have furniture and no rug." <laughs> so <laughs> I said, "You know what? I love that rug." So we put it in the living room, and I called it the prayer room, where I'd go in and pray for furniture someday. <laughs> and, oh, that's and, and, and that's that's kind of um, the catalyst for the first book. So I wanted to start with all the different aspects of classic design that I have found helpful to me, uh, including how to purchase at auction, which I think is a marvelous, marvelous way to start and enhance your your collection mm-hmm. uh, versus buying new. And um, so it kind of went from there. I love pastel colors. So I think people are tend to choose colors that uh, the color that makes them feel good when they wear those yeah. are awesome colors that you you tend to to want to surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. That makes total sense. And then with the um, the second book, uh, I was my my son uh, was being married. He was having his wedding to his darling wife down in Palm Beach, 
and good friends of ours had a had a house down there, and she kindly hosted a brunch for our, our out of town guests and friends. When I went into her house, I saw this shell molding out of natural uh, sea shells going uh-huh. across the ceiling, which was spectacular. And I said to her, I just have to write a book about Palm Beach and start with this. And she called me about two weeks later and said, Holly, I just sold the house. She's so good at designing and buying and selling (laughs) beautiful houses all over the world. And she said, if you'd like to photograph it, you need to get down here this week. So I got on a plane. I did. I said, all right, I'm on my way. So I had my photographer and, and he and I went down and captured that. And that was the beginning of the book. And I went on to do the um, the former um, uh, chancellor of of Canada, um, his house, and mm-hmm. ambassador to Belgium, um, his house. And so we just did some beautiful houses, but I think they're all family homes. And you can sense that when you come in. It's just yeah. not done up. It's so comfortable. And they, each house tells a story. You can just tell from the photographs and the all the dis- different decorative accessories that have been collected and artwork. So yes, I love showing that aspect. And in that book, uh, the, it, and the name of the book is Holly Holden's Pearls of Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. In the, for each of the eight houses that we have a secret peek into, I chose to put a darling detail section in the back of the book. And in that, uh, show all the little details that I think contribute to a classic interior. Yep. I love that. I love that book because I love Palm Beach, first of all. And actually, Palm Beach, I was there right before COVID. So that was like my last trip before everything. Oh, lucky you. I know. I know. It's one of my oh. favorite places to go. Oh, that's wonderful. So you've been going there as well. Yes. So how did you pick the people and the homes to feature? Like, did you know the people first and you're like, you know, they have a great style, they have great stories, so their house is going to be great? Or did you know the houses first and then the people? Or was it a combination? Oh, brilliant. Uh, Well, Ambassador Brower and his wife, we met them through an organization my husband's involved in, uh, YPOCEO.org. And CEO hosted a party at Daniel Baloud's in in New York, and I was seated next to Ambassador Stephen Prower. And we started talking about how the two of us enjoy collecting at auctions, and we just both went to the Christie's viewing in in New York. And somehow we led, the conversation ended up that he had a house in Palm Beach, even though they are from St. Louis. So when I decided to do the Palm Beach book, um, actually, Ambassador Brower had given me a wonderful endorsement for my first book, which is on the jacket, uh, dust jacket. But when I I asked if we could perhaps photograph his house, and, and they said, of course. And oh my gracious, I, I, they set the table as if it was for a diplomatic um, dinner party, but it was actually for a dinner party that they were giving for a, a general that they were hosting a particular talk with. But um that just led to another house, which led okay. to another house. And each time I was given the introduction, I thought, oh, my gracious, there's a plethora of such beautiful houses in Palm Beach that are so tastefully done and not mm-hmm. done up. And I wanted to show that aspect of Palm Beach versus many people think it's just glitzy and gold. And yeah, it's not. And so I think that's what I've 
I absolutely fell in love with. So I would have to say each person introduced me to another person. And I love that. It, it, it couldn't have been. And so I feel as if I have very close, dear friends, you know, after photographing a house and, and then speaking for hours about the different details so that I could tell the stories in the book, um, mm-hmm. it become, in fact, one of, one of them called me from, they were at Villa de Esta on Lake Como and the two of them were having dinner on the terrace and they called and spoke to me for an hour and a half. I thought that is a true friend. <laughs> Give up that time. Talk to me. I know. So I love how then the houses that you pick kind of it was word of mouth and spread from one to another, which I think makes for a cohesive book then looking through it. You know, you can really see the style you wanted to capture um, in those you. homes. And it's thank just you. a beautiful book. <laughs> and actually, thank you very much, Patricia. One of the houses I call it the Irish house. It had it um, featured one of the largest privately owned collections of Irish art, and it's. I just find it um, just inspiring to see very traditional art against brightly colored walls. That Palm Beach essence, of, you know, bringing the outside inside, but it works so brilliantly. And now I'm so fortunate that we photographed it because they have since uh, moved. Uh, due to some health concerns, so I, I captured it in situ with 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 all the the beautiful artwork on the walls. So oh, wow. it's a little testament to them, which makes me very happy. Yeah, and it's like a little bit of history then in these books that you captured. Um, uh, exactly. Before, you know? <laughs> and I learned so much from them. I love to surround myself with smart people <laughs> that love to share their knowledge and. The Burns certainly did. They were so gracious in telling me about their artwork. And and that's the other aspect, I think, of design is, is having a, a house that's filled with mementos from either your travels or a theme that, that speaks to your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, and in turn, it just creates an atmosphere that when guests come in, they, they can feature their eyes and, and even ask questions, which makes a house um, really represent yourself. And I think that's so important, don't you? I I totally agree. When I got my house, one of the first things that my big big girl purchase um, was my grandparents had given me a set of chairs and I had them recovered in a pink color because that's so much more me is pink. Um, And I still have them to this day. And I always post pictures of them and people always ask about them. And um, then to tell the story behind it that, oh, they were actually my grandparents and they were like my big, big girl purchase was recovering them, getting them reupholstered. Um, I think it just means so much more than if I you know, just went somewhere and just bought a pink chair. Absolutely. <laughs> There's a story behind it. In fact, um, just today I write my e-newsletter, which comes oh. out Monday morning. So it came out this morning. But I spoke about a friend of mine that we used to ride together at the Deep Run Hunt Club in Richmond, Virginia. And Marie had said to me, um, well, she was 10 years older and she had furnished the magnificent plantation. I was asking her questions, how to do it. And I was a young bride. I was just married. But she said two things. Um, Pick a color that you absolutely adore and let just build on that. And Mm -hmm. either for your your wardrobe as well as for your house. And uh, the other thing is think of a theme that speaks to your heart. And I immediately thought of horses and foxes, (laughs) foxes, <laughs> probably because we were at the hunt club, but also <laughs> because my, my, my ancestors all had horses and rode and 
my great grandfather actually had a gentleman's race course on his, um, he had a magnificent castle in, he was Austrian, but he went to China in Tinsden, China. So that, that just kind of came through. And fortunately my husband helps me support, supports me on my, my passion for equine British sporting art. But um, what I was going to get to is as far as inheriting, inheriting pieces or, having pieces that speak to your heart mm-hmm. in our living room. Uh, I mean, in the front hall at Vauxhall is a cobalt blue Chinese rug that I inherited from my grandmother. Oh. And, and so that, that is a color that I've kind of, I've taken that thread of cobalt blue and brought it into every aspect of our house somehow, yeah. some way, but that was the rug that was the inspiration for that. I love that. That's so special. And then I'm sure you'll pass it on and um, so the <laughs> stories behind it and the memories behind it. I just love that. Exactly. Well, actually, <laughs> our house was built as a wedding gift to the house down the street. It was President Roosevelt's sister, Anna Roosevelt, lived oh. there. And they built, it's back in um, 1810, this house was built as a wedding gift to the Coles family, which has been in their family since 1600s. But uh, long story short, my children said, wait, it was a wedding gift? <laughs> Let's keep up that tradition. <laughs> so, <Right? laughs> That's um, funny. So on another another flip side here then, let's talk about your show. I actually spent last week and the week before watching um, all of it. So how did that come about? Did you have the idea and then you went um, to get it produced or did someone come to you with the idea? And then, I mean, how long were you filming? I have so many questions about this. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I could go on and on, but in a nutshell... I had given a talk about classic design and why it's my, actually it was my son who has a great design um, aesthetic. He, I was telling him when I was writing my first book and I said, how would you encapsulate what I do? And I was explaining to him, you know, classic design. And he said, well, I would just say design, design once uh, forever. (laughs) So And it it is kind of true. So um, I was giving this talk and actually at a a private club in in Hartford. And one of the attendees bought my book, The Pretty and Proper Living Room. And I was signing it for her. And she marched it over to her husband, who happened to be head of CPTV, which is the PBS affiliate here in in Hartford. Mm -hmm. And she said, put it on his table. And he said, and she said, you have to get this on television. Well, the interesting, this is so serendipitous, about a month prior to that, we had been at a private dinner party and Jerry Franklin was sitting to my right and he's from the South. So we started talking Southern stories. And so we had actually met one another. So he contacted me the same day that I contacted him and we said, let's put together a show. And we happened to do it in the same house that we'd had the dinner party. Oh (laughs) my gosh. It all came together. He said, I'll find a producer for you and we'll make a pilot and we'll see if, uh, if this, if this is a go, uh, then we'll we'll go further with it. So I approached her and, and she has one of the, the Sullivan's had one of the largest Depakier porcelain collections in the world, which was just featured at the Metropolitan Museum. So we were able to talk about that. And I had never, studied or done anything on television other than interviews. Mm-hmm. But fortunately the pilot took off and my, my, the premise of the show is that I wanted to show privately owned masterpiece houses, 
because yeah. I think you can all learn from them. Just like going to a museum, you, you glean something from seeing the best of the best. And not that you have to purchase the best of the best, but it certainly gives you a good de- design theme of how you'd like to present uh, yeah. or how to design. So that turned out to be a fun pilot. And then I went on to, um, I, I actually was, Jerry Franklin had a private tour through Highclere Castle, Downton Abbey in England. And my husband and I were in Paris and he, he called me and he said, Holly, <clears throat> would you and Stuart like to join us? We have a private tour of uh, Highclere. So we flew over and I met Lady Canavan, who uh, she and her husband, the Earl, own uh, Highclere Castle. Uh-huh. And I said to her, she just come in from riding. And I said to her, you have to come and visit us sometime. I think you'd really enjoy Farmington. So she did. And I hosted a luncheon for 50 ladies uh, to introduce her as a fundraiser for our my beloved Hillstead Museum here in Farmington. If you all haven't seen it, you have to come up and see it someday. It's filled with Monet's, Manet's, magnificent artwork. But uh, so she came and we were in our living room where I'm sitting right now in Foxhall. We were looking at a collection of Henry Alkin uh, sporting, British sporting art. And I said to her, wouldn't it be fun if we did an episode at Highclere Castle and you and I rode horses because I'm an avid rider. And she said, let's do it. It's never been done before. So um, one of my daughter's friends from Miss Porter's was... um, has a wonderful production company in, in England. So we hired the, some BBC people from over there, flew over for a scouting trip to decide which rooms we would uh, feature. And I said to her, the premise of the show is to show not only Masterpiece Houses, but to see it through the owner's eyes, which she agreed to do, and to see something that people had never seen before. So one room that that was not necessarily shown. No, it was never shown on, on Downton Abbey was her, her morning room, which is a gloriously feminine room with chintz and it's soft, soft greens, pastel greens. It's a beautiful little room. And and so that's how we ended up the show there after writing. And and then we had tea in the music room. And, but you know what? I don't think people realize I never realized it took about a thousand hours to make 29 minutes. (laughs) <laughs> oh wow! All the editing and recording yeah. and the discussion back and forth, sure, yeah. yeah. For the scouting and then for, I want so back and forth and then the editing and then the voiceovers afterward. But it was oh, it was so worth it. it was wonderful. So worth it. it yeah, wonderful. I love that you get to share that style and that history and like a peek behind the doors of these homes because they're just <laughs> magnificent. And like you said, it's not it's it's like a museum. You don't have to you know, have the best, but you can be inspired by it. Like one of the episodes you guys had talked about some of the window treatments and looked at those and those were just so gorgeous. And you could easily take that then and translate that into your own home in some way, you know. That's so true. Absolutely, Patricia. And it doesn't have to be in in the most expensive silks. It can be in mm-hmm. inexpensive chintz or whatever, just to get just to get the bones right, uh, yep. I think that's that's the key. And all the little details, the contrast piping on the loose covers. And actually, well, they call them loose covers, slip covers here. Uh, over there, I noticed uh, many of the loose covers have, instead of zippers going up the side, mm-hmm. they have teeny tiny um, hook and eyes going yeah. up, which is just a little detail that not many people would notice. But it, it, it truly was an experience. 
And then my my daughter, when we had when she was at Oxford for a semester, we uh, toured Blenheim Palace, which is the second largest uh, palace in England outside of Buckingham Palace, privately owned. And um, I fell in love with the first. I purchased a book from Lady Henrietta, Lady Henrietta Spencer Churchill, who is the eldest daughter of the eleventh Duke of Marlborough. And that design book was such an inspiration to me. Uh, classic in, interiors, English interiors. Well, when we went back, when I was back there after filming Highclere, all of a sudden I thought. Plenum and Henrietta Spencer Churchill is one of the, my most admired interior designers. She's written 11 books to date. Each one is a gem, and I highly recommend, uh, if you enjoy classic design, I would highly recommend getting your hands on some of her books. Oh, certainly. And I contacted Henrietta and, and proposed the idea to her, and she said, let's meet for lunch. So I, my daughter's home in England is not that far from, from Blenheim. So we I drove up and had lunch with Henrietta. We toured. Well, I said to her, I, I, many movies and programs have been made at Blenheim Palace. Mm-hmm. I would love to show the private apartments, which is an entire wing of the palace that had never been filmed before. And I said, would that be possible? And she said, let's do it. So her husband, I mean, her brother was now the 12th Duke of Marlborough. Her her father died two years prior to my meeting. So she said, I'll just have to ask my brother's permission, which she did. And we decided to film there and we walked through the private apartments and to be in such a grand palace and walk through the doors of the private, the private wing, you instantly felt as if you were in someone's home. It, oh. It's just it's just so charming and filled with travels from from all the previous um, dukes that have been there and their families and it just it felt as if you were in a country home. So that's we we went back for a scouting trip to decide which rooms we would feature, and then we went back again to film. So um, I had a lovely time filming at Blenheim Palace, and if you have not been there. You must put that on your must visit. <laughs> Definitely. No, it's on my list and I've watched so many, you know, shows about it and seen it so many times. That's definitely on my list. But <laughs> I love these behind the scene stories. Like you need a show about the show. <laughs> oh my goodness. They are definitely behind the scenes. For instance, that we filmed for three days at Planet Palace. And for instance, the last day she said, I just was granted permission from my brother that we can film in the private Italianate gardens, which the private apartments or the private wing overlook. Uh-huh. So we were going to do the, the, the conclusion to the show and I was standing out there. Well, Oh my gracious. What should have taken maybe 30 minutes. It, it took us about three hours between the peacocks squawking <laughs> that were coming around us, the helicopters of the tourists going overhead or the church bells ringing. <laughs> and then we had a flood of black flies or something that was attracted to my pink coat. So <laughs> the camera crew are, you know, flailing these fans trying to get them away from me. So it was 
That's all this little behind the scenes. Yep. And it was freezing cold in April. So I'm in a little silk dress with a spring coat on and I couldn't feel my toes. They were just um, numb from the cold. But we had a grand time. It was But wonderful. you would never know from watching it. It was all seamless to the viewers. <laughs> Thank heavens for editing, right? <laughs> exactly. So um, you've done so many wonderful things and accomplished so much, but what are some things that you're most proud of, would you say? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is my family. I adore my my three children and they've grown up and now they have children. So I have 14 grandchildren and no, 14 of us, excuse me. We have not multiplied that many. We are at eight <laughs> grandchildren. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I, that's most proud of. But I also am I'm pinching myself that I received an Emmy nomination for one of the episodes, the one at Highclere Castle um, for, yes, I'm very excited about that. And it was great fun to have my daughters and my family with me when, when they had the Emmy nomination uh, ceremony. So that was great. And I'm, I'm thrilled um, to have started a new enterprise with my newsletter, Mommy's Monday Manners, which was actually the catalyst for that was my son was living in Manhattan uh, for several years working down there. But many of his friends from college and colleagues, they would come up to Fox all on weekends, but they would ask me before they entertained for advice or what should I do about this or what should I not do? And I started telling them and they kept I don't know. They insisted that I write something about it. So that was really the beginning of my my newsletter, writing about mummy's man, speaking about my mummy, who, uh-huh. who instilled wonderful pieces of advice of etiquette and manners that matter, but some of which are not written in etiquette books. They're the kind of manners that just are passed down from generation to generation, little secret, um, uh-huh. a secret code. So I think I enjoy doing that, and and I'm very pleased at the sponsors we have. They've been amazing. Oh. And some of the people we've interviewed, I actually, I, that excel at, you know, classic design, classic um, things that, that really, to me, are, are stellar in, in all aspects. So I had Chef Daniel Baloud speak, and we did an interview for the newsletter there, and Elizabeth Gage, who had a, an award from the Queen, she spoke to me about how and where to wear jewels, her jewels, which are magnificent. She came to dinner here and... Oh my goodness. So much fun to talk jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. It was. And um, I just last week interviewed David Patrick Columbia, who writes New York Social Diary. So that was fascinating. He had some um, extraordinary stories to sell. So I'm going on and on. I'm so sorry, but I'm no. very excited about all those things. That's super exciting. So I, I subscribe to it already. So if anyone listening doesn't, they should, on your website, they can subscribe to it, correct? Absolutely. Yes, you're right. Thank you. Um, Hollyholden.com. Yes, that's it. Very simple. (laughs) So on the flip side to these amazing accomplishments, then what's been some challenges along the way? Oh, I think, uh, you know, time management (laughs) as a, as a mom, you know, all of us, um, I think as women, it is challenging. I have a husband that's always, he wants to be on the go and children that I want to devote a lot of time to. So I, what I think what I have found 
for, that works for me, it happened when I started my business 25 years ago, is that I would work late at night. So I'd put the children to bed and then start my office hours from nine to about two in the morning. But I find I'm very creative at night, and especially when I'm designing for clients or writing. Um, it's my time without any interruptions. So that's that's been a challenge. And I, I think something that if I, I wish I had known earlier is when something's a little bit uh, difficult for you to hire someone else to do that versus struggling through it. Like the accounting, even though I'm a business <laughs> business major, I hire an accountant to take care of all of the, the, the billing and all that aspect of invoicing. So those are little hints, even if it's an intern to help. Yep. I think I agree with that too. But you agree? <laughs> definitely with the accounting thing. I think if you're creative, sometimes that finance brain isn't always there or it's, you know, it drains you instead of the creativity. So I think it definitely find someone to do that if that's not your strong suit. Find help where you need it, essentially. I think that's great advice. Right. Um, and so I, I'd also say, you know, try to find as far as, uh, if you don't have a background in something, try to learn as much as you can about it, but you don't necessarily have to have a degree in it. So I just find um, I've surrounded myself with good people as far as producing and most fortunate and grateful to all of them to contribute. You know, they contributed their expertise because I did not have any expertise. So give me a teleprompter any day. I love that. They're my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's funny. And I I, go, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say what I really admire is that you started this preppy podcast because, you know, preppy to me is also, it it just kind of embraces the essence of what prep prep school is all about, you know, tradition and manners and dress code. Um, All those things are are timeless. And I, I learned that from my father who he would wear a tweed jacket until the elbows, you know, would wear out and he'd have a leather patch, put them on and put on. And if it, it just, it seems like such a sensible way to design. So uh-huh. whatever you purchase, whether what, wherever you live in the world, a, a Hepple white sideboard will go into a modern atmosphere or you know, there's certain classic pieces that just don't go out of style. Yep. So, they're just timeless. And it's I think that's what, yeah. it's a simple way to design, I think, for, for clothes and, and also for interiors. I was just going to say that. It's for both interiors and your wardrobe. Right, right. I, and who doesn't love pink and green? So <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> so I have a few um, short answer questions to ask you, kind of like what you think of first, essentially. So my first one is, what's an easy way for someone to update their home? I feel like so many people are stuck at home right now, obviously, a lot more than normal. So what do you think is like an easy way that someone could update their home? Uh, I think probably to me um, would be to to use soft colors uh, and, and make them very neutral on the walls. Okay. Um, historic interiors, for the most part, have white walls with... Um, a different colored woodwork to complement. But I've noticed that today, if you keep the walls in a completely soft tones together, it's a very clean look. 
almost a modern look and uh, allowing the wood floor to show with, with carpets, no, no wall to wall. Uh, I think that, that also mixing contemporary pieces of art with traditional pieces. Mm. So, and I think a mistake that some people do is number one, they, they hang their artwork too high. So that is a big um, flag to me <laughs> when okay. I see that it's, you need to lower the artwork. So it's a, a, a much more on a, on an eye level. Eye level. Yeah. For, I'm five, three. So my eye level works really well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and museums have found that out as well. But um, I think using traditional pieces, but adding some contemporary pieces with them, you, it just makes for a clean, more traditional, modern look. Mm-hmm. Then what do you think? what's been um, one of your favorite, either your own design projects, like for a client or for yourself, or on the flip side, what um, has been a favorite home you've visited? Because you've visited so many amazing homes. Oh, thank you. I I would say I have a client in Palm Beach and they just trust me. I've worked with them for over 20 years, but they just trust me completely. And it makes me want to overperform. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, isn't that true when someone just says, I know you can do it, just do it yep. well. And, and you just do whatever you can to make sure that they're happy. Uh, that's been one of my happy, happy places for, uh, I have amazing clients that I think they know what they're getting when they uh-huh. when they hire me because I do one style. And I think that's one thing. I started off with my business trying to please everyone with different styles. And I realized, no, this is what I do. And uh-huh. if you like my style, then, that, then we'll definitely work together and I'll interpret whatever it is that you want in your house. I don't necessarily have a style of my own in their house. But yes, um, the other house that I would have to say is so extraordinary is Blenheim Palace. Mm-hmm. It's a country home that was in a palace and just gleaning how the hallways were, were designed, um, the sense of symmetry, the sense of history, um, photographs sprinkled about in silver frames, which is something I'm a big advocate of which to me is also gives you subtle bragging rights. <laughs> you can, <laughs> to right? show your travels and your family and all of that. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, here is the wedding. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but silver frames never go out of style. And that's one of my go-to presents as well for any special occasion for someone. How, how can anyone have too many silver frames? Mm-hmm. But um, yes, I would have to say Blenheim Palace is one of my most favorite houses that I've visited. I, I can imagine. I mean, I don't know how you top that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I believe be, before COVID, they started giving tours through oh. very small tours through the private apartments. So if you do go to Blenheim, see if you can uh, book that in advance. Definitely. And that's another great place is very inspirational for American antiques, which I also, we, my husband and I both enjoy collecting American and English but the State Department rooms in Washington, I gave a whole talk about that. They, Jackie Kennedy had a lot to do with, with creating those rooms. And they are filled with some of the finest pieces we have in the United States. Oh. Another learning uh, venue. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest getting a tour of that if you can. Awesome. That's great advice. <laughs> so... 
you kind of mentioned some of these earlier, so I think I know the answer, but what's like the favorite piece in your home? Is it that rug that we talked about? Is it the art? Like if you had to pick one, I know that it's probably really hard, but what's your favorite piece of furniture or decor or art in your home? I just, that that brings such a smile to my face because this question comes up quite often Uh (laughs) at dinner. My husband will say, so what's your favorite room? What's your favorite piece? And because our collections are evolving, it seems to change a bit every now and then. But if I had to narrow it down to one, I'm looking at them now. It's a set of four paintings by Henry Alkin, who was in um, 1800s, 19th century English sporting uh, artist, but it's a, it's a series of a, uh, a race through the countryside on horseback. And what I do sometimes at cocktail parties, I for people who have never been to the house, I'll tell them the story and we'll walk over to one of the paintings and I'll say, pick your horse. Who do you think will win? So they put <laughs> the jockey on the horse and then we go through the series to see who ends up winning. <laughs> so, I love that. That is such then, a fun dinner party game. It is, especially after a lot of wine and pork. <laughs> <laughs> Place your bet here is what I should say. But <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's great so fun. fun. And I feel like people could do that with whatever art they have at home, you know, something similar. Exactly. Um, Exactly. I had an artist, we had a butler's pantry and she said, well, what should I, I I did not want to change the cabinetry, but the cabinetry was looking rather dated. So we painted, painted them a butter yellow. And that's actually one of my favorite colors. I always tell people if they're in doubt, when in doubt, choose yellow. Yellow has been around for centuries, especially in England where it tends to be rainy and gloomy on many days. Yellow is always a cheerful color, but I, she asked what to paint on the cabinets. And I said, let's just take a vase from every room and paint it on there and a different little insect or something. So almost like fine Waldo, we would walk through the butler's pantry. Can you find the insect? (laughs) So we had fun with butterflies and ladybugs and things like that. I love that. That, That's so fun and great (laughs) advice. And I'm sure it keeps kids occupied too. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> so um, you've traveled so many amazing places, and I feel like you're you're always traveling. So what is either a place that you wish that you could live someday or one of your favorite places just to visit? What would you say? Oh, I would say if I was with my husband, it would be Paris. We go there every year and spend a considerable amount of time. Uh, we're fortunate we have people that that watch Foxhall for us while we're away, but we love Paris and the artwork. We The first thing we do, the first day that we arrive, we go down uh, stairs at the Louvre and purchase our year tickets so that every day we can either pop in for 15 minutes or for two hours or whatever we like. But it's just phenomenal to go in and out as if it's your own private gallery. And I um, Paris would be probably one of the top, but the English countryside, I think because of my family roots, I am so much at home there. Mm-hmm. And when I go over there to drive, uh, my children, my daughter has four children. So I drive them to school. All the schools are a 20 minute drive away, but you're driving through hedgerows and it's in the Southern part of England and that shrubs and it's, I call it God's country. It's just beautiful. So I would, if I had to choose another place to live, it would be in England. 
Uh, okay. I, I hope I never leave Foxhall here in Farmington. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it sounds would... like you get over there at least a lot to visit. So I do. And do, do you get over to England? I have been a few times. Mm-hmm. It's it's beautiful. I do love England. <laughs> it is. It, I don't know. It's intoxicating to me every time I'm there. <laughs> it, it's gorgeous. No, I love it. And here actually, so I live um, in the suburbs of Philadelphia, Unionville. It's also big horse country here. Um, oh, and, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people say that it does remind them of the English countryside, actually. Um, Absolutely. With the stone houses you have there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So one of my final questions is what's next for you? Is there anything that you can share like a little sneak peek or preview of something that you're working on? Something exciting coming up? Oh my goodness. Thank you. Well, I'm learning how to play polo and I'm working on a helicopter license right now. (laughs) (laughs) I, I love flying helicopters, but if I'm, if I was to say something it, um, that's coming up, it would be I am doing a compilation of my mummy's Monday Manor newsletters into a book, a volume one, and then I'll do volume two, three, and I'll just continue um, compiling them together because I think for um, a young bride, my or any age, there's some uh, some interesting advice that I hope will inspire people. So I think that's why it's grown. I think my audience is 35 on up Uh and um, it's, it's been such a pleasure to write in in the back of my head. I'm, I I think to myself, I'm writing for my grandchildren, but I'm also writing for my mother because she instilled all these things that are still very applicable today. And if, if people think that there aren't, um, certain rules of manners and etiquette that are not applicable. They are, you know, there's yep. still circles of society that embrace all of that. So I, I, I that's my, that's my next step is. Oh, to... I'm so excited for this book. Thank you. And I've also decided to, I, I did a whole series of YouTube videos and I uh-huh. made them private um, probably about a year ago. And I've decided to go ahead and one by one, we'll just make them public again. So I'll announce when each one, this next series is on cooking um, for entertaining for parties and things my go-to. So they'll, they'll be uh, announced on my newsletter. Okay. And that'll be perfect time with the holidays coming up. I feel like. I think so. Yes. And the Holden punch is really yummy. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm so excited for these. I'm going to keep my eye out. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So my final question is, where can people find you? Let everyone know what your Instagram handle is, your website, all of that sort of things. Well, you're so sweet to ask. It, I, Instagram is Holly Holden Design. And thanks to Andrea at the Glam Pad, she was after me. We're good friends. And she was after me. Holly, you have to do Instagram. You have to do it. <laughs> and I thought, one more thing, but I'm so happy I did. And it's turned out to just be a wonderful out out um, source for our travels. I can post some of the pictures of the beautiful places we're fortunate to visit. So that's been um, quite fun. And hollyholden.com, that that has it all. It has the programs. It has the links to my television and Mm -hmm. it has the sign up for the newsletter. It's all right there. So amazing. Well, thank you so much, Holly. Oh, it's been such a pleasure, Patricia. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast and follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media.